Welcome back to the monthly Valencia Property Podcast and this one is going to be a longer one because we know people like it when we get deep into the weeds explaining how things work here. It's sort of counterintuitive but it's true. The deeper the dive the better reactions to the pod and the greater the number of downloads. Anyway I think people are listening to it in the car when they're coming down here or on podcasts on the plane on the way here or whatever. Anyway on this one We're looking back at the first month of 2023, what's been happening, what we've been doing and what's going on in the background, and we'll be looking into the rationales behind our website as well because we always get asked about that. Also, it's double delight this month as next week we're going to bring out a special podcast all about the new digital nomad or remote worker visa with all of the details and some of the questions we've been asked since it came out. If you have any questions about it, then send us a mail to information at valencia-property.com and we'll answer it on the podcast. Remember, we've already done a post about it in the blog, and that's linked up in the show notes today. The main part of the pod today is about saving money on buying property here, and this is going to be in two parts. Obviously, we don't mean by buying a cheap place. We mean, whatever your budget, you don't want to be giving money away or spending money on things you don't need to. So today, we have the first part of our guide to saving money on your purchase. This bit is directly about money issues. The second bit is a bit more, I don't know how you'd say, but it's not directly about money, but it is things that save you money. The year has started steadily, but we've been struggling to get a couple of sales over the line due to what we're going to call owners who are completely bonkers. Yes, we do that. We call people out. The selling agents are so wary of scaring off sellers, they're not doing their job when listing of making sure the owners know their responsibilities on selling. Just small things, you know, like making it known to them that if only a quarter of a house exists in the property registry, then of course they'll be expected to declare it and pay for the rest of the property before they can sell it. That huge swimming pool isn't on the property registry? Well, it needs to be declared prior to selling. You know, things like that, small things. It's at times like this that we give thanks that 80% of our sales are apartments in the city where it's impossible to add a swimming pool into a non-existent garden, build an illegal extension or add outhouses and not think that at some stage you're going to have to make their situation totally legal. Yes, there are fewer issues in city apartments. Of course, not all houses have problems in what is declared, what's there, what isn't there whether the property registry matches up with the catastro on the number of meters declared, not at all. Those problems are reserved for a trifling matter of about 80% of house sales, and only a small percentage of owners don't think they need to do anything about it. Yeah, you guessed it, the Pareto principle again of only about 80%. 20% are fine, and 20% of the 20% of houses which are fine, well, they've got owners who know what they have to do, so 4% of house sales won't have either one problem, the property, or the second problem, the owner. That's why you pay us for doing the work in the background to make sure that everything's good and clean when you buy. Trusting the selling agent and the lawyer of the seller's agency is not really an option, and especially on a house, not appointing a lawyer isn't a great idea either. Anyway, today we wanted to talk about our crowning glory because we've had so many questions about the website recently. What we're best known for, of course, apart from being the number one estate agent for English language buyers in Valencia, is that our website and blog are different, entertaining, honest and thoughtful, with a dose of good humour for good measure. When you add to that, this podcast, 
our social media channels and our free client calls, we're a full service content creation machine that sells houses and is hugely professional at the same time. As a client said to us this week on an initial appointment to see if they wanted to work with us, what a great little business. Anyway, virtually every client meeting recently has started with the words, your website is amazing or something to that effect. We like compliments, so, ah, shucks. We don't think that any website for real estate comes even close in Spain, and we hope worldwide. There may be better presented sites. There may be sites where you can tell they've paid a shed load of money for the design and maybe even the SEO. But there's nothing we've found that comes even close to the quality of our site's content and information. Of course, there are others that are far more useful for seeing all of the properties on sale. Idealista, Fotocasa, Rightmove, Zoopla in other countries. But that's not what we're aiming for. They're portals paid for by the advertisers who go on there. Think selling agents. And therefore, they lack somewhat in clarity and sometimes in a bit of honesty. And they leave several questions open to interpretation. Our rationale was, is, and always will be, quality and not quantity. Quality of the information, quality of the listings, and quality of client service prior to, during, and after the sale. And remembering that, let's get into the blog in the last month, where we've had the following posts. Quality, useful information. You can click through to read the articles in the show notes. We started the month with our investigation into why Americans moved to Valencia. A very popular post, this is getting a lot of traction and attracting Americans to investigators more. Who knew? Next, we had the post about why you might need and want a full power of attorney. A lot drier, not as interesting perhaps, but probably even more useful, especially for those who may come from countries where giving a full power of attorney is frowned upon or even not thought about at all. The next post was all about eating out around Valencia, for when you want to take a day trip out from the city and also maybe combine that with a delicious dinner, lunch or whatever. Loads of suggestions and we're waiting for your recommendations too. We already have a couple but we'd like a load more because we want to go to these places as well. Lastly, we looked at the Golden Visa Villas in Valencia. This is to show that living in the suburbs with your Golden Visa is also possible, despite the majority of people who get one buying apartments in the city. As we said, we've also done a post about the new remote worker or digital nomad visa, and that is a full background look at everything to do with it. However, despite that, we can't put every single possibility in there so we have had some questions and as we say we'll be doing more of those questions in the podcast listings have been thin on the ground this month because we've been busy taking people to properties sorting out signings and preparing future clients for their individual journeys into valencia property however we are making a collective effort to get more listings on the site and we also have some website surprises coming up soon which will make the experience even better private listings You need to be on the mailing list to get these. And if you want to be on the mailing list, send a mail to information at valenciaproperty.com or send me a WhatsApp telling me to put you on the mailing list. Uh, That's on 0034 for Spain, 657-994311. Why though? Well, the number of times we get asked by sellers to sell their property, but by the way, you cannot publish it on the web. How the actual feck are we supposed to market stuff they don't want marketing for, but do want a buyer for? Anyway, we found a way. 
We'll still list them, but they'll only be visible to you if you are on an insider list via WhatsApp or a Weber, and we may be starting a Discord or a Slack channel soon too. If that's something that interests you, well, if it interests you, let us know. Say, yeah, I'd like to go on a Discord chat or I'd like to go on a Slack channel or something like that, uh, and I'll work out how to use it because at the moment I haven't got a clue. For the main part of the podcast this week, we have our tips to save money on buying property in Valencia and also Spain as a whole. Let's call this the Valencia Property Guide to Saving Money on Your Purchase, part one, because the next part will be following next month on the pod. We've written about this before on the blog and we've mentioned various of the things we're going to mention here on the podcast before. We have a whole episode about currency transfer, lawyers or mortgages, for example. But today, let's consider that the full podcast guide to saving money or being careful with your money when buying Valencia property. And we're going to start with currency transfer, of course, because this is a biggie. Many people attempted to make a transfer through their own bank in their home country to their Spanish account. This is the simplest method, but it's not usually the most efficient or the best way of getting your funds here, especially if you're interested in having more funds appear in your account. If you're transferring from an account with a different currency, dollars, pounds, krona, rand, etc., then it's very probable that you can get a much better deal using a currency partner, such as Currencies Direct, for example, who we work with. We prefer the system of using Currencies Direct in a Spanish bank for the practicalities of buying a property in Spain. It's the easiest way to save thousands on your property purchase. You can also fix your rate now before your currency tanks. Did I say before your currency tanks? Oh yes, I'm looking at you, the UK, as usual, but I'm also thinking of all of you with South African Rand, for example. Because if your currency is going down and down and down, it's best to get a fixed rate now, rather than in three months' time. Specifically for Americans too though, American banks are notorious for ripping off their customers, probably worse than Spanish banks. However, we didn't realise how much until a couple of years ago. Other countries' banks are not so blatant as the American ones. We had a client needing to transfer the equivalent of 400,000 US dollars to Spain. He was going to use his bank. After meeting with Currencies Direct in their offices in Valencia and chatting with Adam, they compared rates by using the following routes to get the money here. One direct bank transfer from the US bank to the Spanish bank account here, and two, USA bank transfer to Currencies Direct account in the States, and then a transfer from Currencies Direct in Madrid to the client account here in Spain. The difference was almost 3% in favour of method two. It doesn't sound too much, but just under 3% on 400,000 meant a difference of 11,760 euros extra appearing in the Spanish bank account. And that's before you start factoring in costs such as receiving directly from a foreign bank account, which many Spanish banks charge for, and the cost of the bank drafts on purchase, which would be considerably higher for non-currencies direct clients, up to 1.2% in some banks, but generally around half a percent or 0.75%. Now, if you're spending 400,000, half a percent, even if you got the cheaper ones, that's 2,000 euros for writing a bank draft. If you think that using a currency transfer company is just factoring in an extra layer of complexity into your purchase process, then lose that mindset because it's wrong. What do you lose by giving them a try, by the way? At least do a comparison. Just last week, a client refused to do it and on a purchase in the 150,000 range was 5,000 euros out of pocket comparatively after transferring from their own bank, and that was the UK. Listen to us, we know stuff like this because we've got a whole lot of experience. The second thing we're going to talk about is your initial bank account. 
And notice the, uh, the use of the word initial there. You have the right to open an account in any Spanish bank, of course, but some are better than others. Currencies Direct, for example, have an agreement with La Caixa Bank, which will save you a lot of money, and these days we get the same sort of agreement with Sabadell, too. One of the things that Spanish banks often do is charge you for receiving money from an account abroad. I've just mentioned that. This amount can be up to 0.5% with quite a few banks, and even more with others. They don't advertise these fees, of course, when trying to get you to open the account. You just get a surprise. Even more important is that if you're buying a property, then many banks charge you a percentage to emit the bank draft for use in the notary. And these costs again can be a percentage of the price, meaning you can pay up to €1,500 for a bank draft on a property of €200,000, for example. The agreement between Currencies Direct and Lacaixa means that Lacaixa will charge a maximum of €200 for the bank draft. We have a similar arrangement in place for our clients with Sabadell, where the maximum you get charged should be €300, but it's often less, especially if you take out your home insurance with the bank, at least in the first year. Spanish banks earned, and we put that in serious inverted commas, more than 5 billion euros, say it slowly, 5 billion euros, in hidden fees last year. They are notorious for little charges, so it's useful to talk with them about their charges when opening an account, and become clear about what you will be charged for. You should be looking at monthly account fees, credit and debit card fees, charges for receiving money from abroad, charges for emitting checks, that's bank drafts, or depositing bank drafts, and a myriad of other things. You should also choose a bank with good internet banking with excellent security, of course. The best banks, if for whatever reason you don't want to use Lacaixa, are Sabadell, BBVA, and then, and only then, Santander. You can read all sorts of online reviews about all of them, mostly negative, but many are older reviews, and remember that it's only people with an axe to grind that publicise that online. I'm looking at you, Facebook. Sabadell have an excellent mortgage process too. Mortgage Direct use them a lot, for example, but more of that later when we get to the mortgage part. You'll probably need a Spanish bank account because it's just so much more practical and currently easier to live with, despite the costs. So it's best to choose the best of a rather mediocre bunch. However, to complement your main account, which should be with a Spanish bank, we recommend using a challenger bank for day-to-day -day operations too. Remember I said earlier, your initial account. Yeah, The initial account is just for emitting that bank draft because the majority of the challenger banks won't be able to do that. We recommend having a second account though. And there's a new breed of challenger banks trying to make waves in the market in Spain. They don't have the branch network that the main banks above offer, but they can be a lot cheaper for their charges and have much better deals on their debit and credit cards. And most important of all, when you are dealing with recurring transfers of monies from another country into Spain, they're much cheaper and more convenient. Evo Bank, that's E-V-O, has a good reputation and in the big cities has a decent number of branches. It's fully owned by Bank Inter now and tries new initiatives for its parent bank first through Evo. They also have a branch on the Plaza de Ayuntamiento in Valencia, which is quite useful. Open Bank is a subsidiary of Santander and is mostly just online. It does have one branch in Madrid. Again, new products are often tried in Open Bank and if successful, they move to Santander. N26 is a German-based online bank which will give you a full Spanish IBAN number for your account. You didn't used to be able to get a Spanish IBAN number and when N26 managed to get them it made, it made a huge change for people because you need a Spanish IBAN account in order to give to Spanish utility companies for the payment of your water, your electric, etc. With the introduction of the Spanish IBAN numbers at the end of 2019, people could use N26 for this. 
Transferwise is an excellent option, similar to N26 and Revolut. If you're self-employed, then Transferwise is a great option for receiving payments in the currency of the person who's paying you and then transferring it into the currency you want it to be in. It's painless and cheap, in other words, euros. They also offer a card to make payments from your account in Spain or anywhere else. Again, the bank code, the iBank code is Belgian, so it may create problems with utility payments at times, but for everything else, it's a great option. Our favorite is Revolut. I use it every day. It offers you free cards, accounts in multiple currencies, and even the ability to trade in cryptocurrencies and shares if you're so inclined. You can download the app in the App Store and register your card with the account. Again, the IBAN of the Euro account is sometimes problematic, not always, for utilities, but for direct debits, it usually works. Both TransferWise and Revolut will save you huge amounts of money when making transfers from your original currencies into Euros for Spain. And as they both offer full eBank codes, then they're the favorites of our clients of virtual banking. However, don't be tempted by TransferWise, or WISE as it's called these days, uh, for doing the full transfer of your money into Spain from another country because the rates they give will not compare with Currencies Direct and usually don't even compare with your own bank. They've recently upped the amount that they charge for doing this and increased the spread from the actual dollar, pound, euro values. Let's go on to mortgage costs anyway. First, the good news. Mortgage costs have come down considerably in the last few years, as now it's the banks who have to pay the notary costs and taxes, which you used to do as a client. As we've written before, we work with Mortgage Direct on getting mortgages for our clients. Why though should you use them rather than going directly to Sabadell, Santander, BBA, for example? Well, when we talked with Kevin from Mortgage Direct in our episode about mortgages, he laid this out and the link can be found in the show notes. The reason is that Mortgage Direct get much better offers from the banks for their clients as they bring in a lot of clients. When you walk in off the street into a bank branch to ask about and negotiate a mortgage, the bank just sees you as a cash cow. So they complete their targets for the month and quarter and if they complete them with bigger margins, that's better for the bank branch. On the other hand, banks compete with each other to get the best deal so they get business from Mortgage Direct. So Mortgage Direct offer your potential mortgage out to four, five, six, seven, eight banks. They give the best one and Mortgage Direct chooses that bank. They get you as a client and they get potentially hundreds of other clients as well. Regarding your mortgage, the offer from your bank may well come with conditions such as having direct debits paid from your account, having a salary paid into your account, having a credit card, having house insurance through them, etc. You'll be offered a better interest rate on your mortgage according to what you take up with them. Remember though, you're not obliged to take any of them. It usually works out better to do so on all of them except the house insurance, but there's no obligation. And we always suggest, yeah, get your house insurance within the first year, but then shop around the second year. For your day-to-day cash, if you have money in another country and don't live here, then you'll be charged every time you make a withdrawal at an ATM. You may also press the wrong button and take the money out in your own currency at the conversion rate the bank decides the best one, rather than the currency here. It's always the best one for them, not you. Having a Revolut card is the best thing many clients and friends have done for day-to-day cash from abroad. It's a MasterCard debit accepted everywhere. You're immediately notified of payments made on your phone. You can set limits, set up a virtual card for online payments, block the card straight away if stolen or lost, or even if you feel like for a few months to stop yourself buying stuff. You can even get junior cards for your kids if you want, and many other advantages. You also get to set the limits on it and can immediately change them for larger purchases if you want to keep the levels low normally if you fear hacking of your computer. Then you can change them back straight away after you've made that purchase. Uh, 
They even have single-use virtual cards for online payments in case you really, really are worried about getting scammed. TransferWise also offer many of these advantages with a card accepted everywhere, so bear them in mind too, but Revolut for us is the winner. If we had to make recommendations, we'd say our recommendation to save as much money as possible directly is as follows. For purchasing a property, open a Currencies Direct account and a Spanish bank account with La Caixa or Sabadell to make your transfer from your home country if you're outside the Eurozone. For day-to-day -day costs, use your Spanish account for utility bills, but if you have income or savings in another country, combine this with a Revolut card and account, and possibly a TransferWise account and card too. Their apps are excellent. If you're getting a mortgage, use Mortgage Direct and take up the offers of the bank to put direct debits, etc. through their accounts and get a reduced mortgage interest rate. Do all of the above and you'll potentially save thousands, and maybe you can get your dream home in Valencia without giving up any of your red lines. So that's it for this month. So if you enjoyed listening to this, share it around and also take a look at some of the articles in the show notes that may also help you out. If you have any questions about money in Spain, if you have any questions about anything to do with buying property in Valencia or Spain, then send us a mail to information at valencia-property.com. The other tips we're going to do in part two are not directly related to the movement of money on mortgages, but they're more practical. They still have an effect of saving your money though, and they'll be coming up in the next podcast when we release it at the start of March. Don't forget though, we've got a special coming up next week all about the remote worker visa. Of course, the best option in order to save the maximum amount is to use our services. <laughs> Whether you're buying in Valencia, buying in other parts of Spain, get in touch and we'll guide you and help you to save thousands on your purchase while getting you something that suits you perfectly. And speaking of recommendations, we have recommendations for the month. We have a video of the month where we found a YouTube channel all about cooking basic Spanish recipes. It's excellent. Spain on a fork. Check it out on YouTube. And as usual, you can find the link in the show notes. Our property recommendations for the month are simply to go to our homepage at valenciaproperty.com and take a look. You eat with your eyes, of course, but you can also put in parameters for your search. If you can't find what you want, then simply fill out the form on our first step post and we'll find you something perfect. That first step post, you can find the link in the show notes. It's the first step to buying property in Valencia. And our article recommendations. Well, the articles that we've written this month are Why do Americans move to Valencia? You can find it in the show notes. Power of Attorney? You can find it in the show notes. Where to eat out around Valencia? Guess what? You can find it in the show notes. Golden Visa Villas in Valencia, which you can find in the show notes. And of course, the latest one. And the latest one is all about the remote worker visa. And you can find it in the show notes. So until next week, because normally it's next month, but this time it's going to be next week, say goodbye for now. And we look forward to you listening to this and getting in touch with us with any recommendations for places to eat, with any questions about the remote worker visa, or any other questions you've got. Just get in touch and we'll try to answer it for you. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back together next week.